0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Okay, so here's how I understand it so far. The governor of Florida, first of all, Florida is surrounded on uh, more than three sides, less than four, surrounded by water. So it is, uh, it's only a border state if you consider Georgia and uh, Alabama foreign countries. It's Florida, uh, Florida. The governor of Florida, therefore, didn't have people in his state who would cross the border into Florida for the sake of claiming asylum in the United States because of um, perceived danger in their homeland. So he hired somebody in uh, San Antonio, Texas, Texas, to look for such people, asylum seekers who were awaiting whatever was going to happen to them. And uh it was a woman, I believe her name was Perla, and she um, conned, no, sorry, persuaded those folks, 50-something of them, to um, get on an airplane to go somewhere else. I think they have later said they were told they were going to Boston or New York. They ended up, as you well know now, going to Martha's Vineyard, an island off Massachusetts. And uh, there they landed with no uh, advance notice to the officials Of Martha's Vineyard is just some folks coming. Now you're going to have to take care of them. That was sort of the point of the exercise, according to uh, governor of Florida. Well, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, if you're here seeking asylum, you're not an illegal alien or an undocumented alien or any of those terms. You're legally here awaiting uh, a court hearing on your claim to asylum. That's one. That's part one. Part two is you've been given a date for that court hearing and a location. And I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts. That location is not Martha's Vineyard. So these people have been taken thousands of miles away from where they're supposed to show up to justify their claim to asylum in the United States. And if they don't show up, they're illegal aliens. Isn't that cute how that works? Now, second of our uh, new series, Foot Firmly in Mouth. This one comes just uh, not that far from, from right here, right where I'm sitting, in Alexandria, Louisiana. Thanks to the Associated Press, a woman outfitted with a tiny microphone and hidden camera, walked up to a dilapidated drug house on a chilly afternoon last year looking to buy meth from a dealer known on the streets as Mississippi. The informant disappeared inside to spend a little time with a career criminal with a rap sheet spanning three decades, and as she did so, her law enforcement handlers left her undercover on her own, unprotected, and unmonitored in real time. Under threat of violence, I continue to read, the dealer forced the woman to perform oral sex on him twice in an attack so brazen he paused at one point to conduct a separate drug deal, according to interviews and in confidential law enforcement records obtained by the AP. It was one of the worst depictions of sexual abuse I've ever seen, said a local official who viewed the footage and spoke to AP on condition of anonymity. The woman cried in her The assailant threatened to put her in the hospital. Narcotics deputies remained on the block in the blighted neighborhood, unaware of what was going on. The device the woman carried didn't have the ability to transmit the operation to law enforcement in real time. It was recording, but not to where my guys were monitoring it, said Rapides Sheriff Mark Wood, Rapides Parish Sheriff Mark Wood. He blamed the incident on his inexperience from only being in the top job six months at that time. Quote, there are always things you learn that you can do better, unquote. With few exceptions, states have been slow to track or regulate law enforcement's use of informants, even in the wake of high-profile oversights. None of the deputies who arranged the undercover buy in Louisiana were disciplined, the sheriff said. No other law enforcement agencies were asked to examine the handling of the case. And now comes the foot and the mouth. A spokesman for the Alexandria Police Department said the agency had not been aware of the sexual assault even though it allegedly happened in the city and the suspect has an extensive criminal history dating to 1992 convictions for robbery, car theft, aggravated assault and drug distribution. The uh, charges uh, filed against him were reduced and the Rapid Parish District Attorney here it comes. Philip Ter- 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 Terrell, Terrell defended his deputy's handling of the case. He told A.P. Quote, there is no indication in my file that law enforcement did anything wrong. The prospect of any informant coming in at, under attack quote, had not crossed their mind. He was certain this would not have occurred. They never thought of that. And had they known that that was occurring, they would have certainly stopped that. One of their big concerns now is the safety of the confidential informant. They put a woman confidential informant in the house with a multiple felony guy, and they never thought anything bad might happen. Foot being ejected from mouth as we speak. Hello, welcome to the show. <laughs>
1: Vê o tempo ruir Cadê você? G.G.
0: From New Orleans, Louisiana, where we know that if you send an informant into the uh, home of a felon unaccompanied, except by the felon, bad things will happen. I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this week's edition of the show now. I'm saying we know that much. Well, there seems to have been a substantial cyber security breach at Uber. This will not help them get to the point where they might make a profit. I don't know if there is that point. It is under some doubt. But they did get this uh, breach. They're investigating with the feds. An intruder compromised their cloud account, which is not really on a cloud. It's right here on the ground with the rest of us. And uh, somebody got access to uh, administrative control over the corporate Slack workspace, well-named in this particular instance, as well as its uh, Google account that has over one petabyte, one petabyte, ladies and gentlemen, of storage in use and uh, control over a lot of other systems at Uber, significantly compromised with data and infrastructure at multiple levels potentially available to the intruder. This according to the Register of the British Tech Journal. Unauthorized access to a confluence installation. We don't know what that is. Private source code repositories and a Sentinel-1 security dashboard used by the incident response team. So they got they got their problem. It, it it'll it'll take a while, ladies and gentlemen, for your Uber to get there, apparently. Maybe they've solved it already, I don't know. But for um less than this is another story, for less than ten thousand dollars without a warrant, cops can buy large amounts of location data on private citizens and track people's movements over long periods of time. Fog data science is a data broker that claims it collects 15 billion sets of data points every day. Ow, that's a lot of lift. That's a heavy lift. From 250 million U.S. devices every month, sourced from tens of thousands of mobile apps with tracking code included. This is an investigation by the Electronic Frontier Foundation. It shows Fogg has passed her ongoing contracts with at least 18 local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies in the U.S. It means law enforcement can, for example, bypass warrants for Google Maps queries to build a case against an individual seeking an abortion in a state where the procedure is now illegal. The investigation, which took several months and more than 100 public records requests, uncovered a massive surveillance operation by which Fog. You gotta give him credit for that. Fogg sells people's phone location data to state highway patrols, police departments, and county sheriffs across America. This is reported by the Register. One county was able to buy the data it wanted under a one year license for $9,000. Fogg's prices start from a few thousand dollars a year. But you can bargain, I bet. We began using public records requests to investigate whether state and local police had been buying location data information, says an investigative researcher from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. One of the responses we received, we found marketing materials describing this service, fog data science, that seemed to do just the kind of dragnet, individually specific location data collection, that we suspected, or that we suspected. We went from there, unquote. According to EFF's Dive, Fog sells subscription to its Fog Reveal. (laughs) Nice work there, guys. Search engine, and it does not require law enforcement to obtain a warrant or subpoena before searching for and buying information from it. This gives police an easy way to pull up location records for a device and track and identify the device owner from their home address and place of work or really anywhere else they have visited with their cell phone. Basic annual subscription gets you 100 searches a month. More queries can be bought. They can return the time-stamped movements of a particular device or return all the available information about the phones within an area drawn on a map for a given time frame. Police departments of all sizes have been using a system that stores and makes available, searchable, the historic locations of individuals, says the guy from... Electronic Frontier Foundation. This means they could identify the phones and by extension the people that have been in a protest and a reproductive health center, a place of worship, or other locations, and track them to the places they live. Kind of, you might think, do a little nutty thing with the Constitution. Fogg and other data brokers claim the information they sell doesn't contain personally identifiable information because it's limited by to time stamps location coordinates and random unique uh, identifiers such as device or advertising IDs. It doesn't take too much police work to link this supposedly anonymized data to actual people. Maybe you want to uh, put that device in another room? AI software, artificial intelligence software, has detected more than 20,000 secret... Secret private swimming pools by an aerial photography in France. Helping French tax officials get about 10 million extra euros in property taxes each year. And, uh, you know, the French know what to do with that tax money, don't they?
2: Ah, Home
0: improvements, such as the addition of a loft or a pool, can boost the value of property, increase the taxes homeowners pay... And uh, so it helps to uh, find those pools. Software has received revealed twenty thousand three hundred fifty six secret lagoons so far. The software scans for telltale signs of pools, such as blue rectangles in backyards. Program is going to be deployed across the whole country to scour for more unreported pools. Estimated 40 million extra euros they're anticipating. The big-eyed French. And also from the register about our smart world, the FBI has urged people to be cautious and heavily research a DeFi. Do you know what that is? Decentralized finance. It's part of the whole wondrous crypto world we're living in now, don't you know? So heavily research a DeFi provider before putting your money into it, says the FBI. This is after more than a billion dollars was stolen from such providers in just three months. I'll say decentralized. I'll say finance. I'll say DeFi. I'll say whatever. In an alert this week, quoting numbers from blockchain research firm Chainalysis, they're good with the names. You got to give them that. Fed said $1.3 billion in cryptocurrencies were siphoned. That's a technical term. In the first three months of this year alone, uh, 97% of that was lifted from decentralized finance outfits. In May, Chainalysis upped that figure to $1.68 billion for the first four months of the year. Realize the risks, get professional financial advice if in doubt, and do your homework on the security and general practices of DeFi providers. That's what the FBI says. And DeFi providers means exchanges, marketplaces, similar sites where you can buy, sell, exchange, and loan cryptocurrencies and other digital assets. Like those those NFTs you've got. Surely you have NFTs by now, don't you? I kind of thought you did. The Bureau's warning comes after a round of cyber robberies against such platforms, including a hundred million hit on Harmony. Harmony, thought to have been carried out by North Korea. They went after Harmony. An estimated 200 million theft from Bitmart. Well, if you can't trust Bitmart, and a hundred thirty million heist from Cream Finance. (laughs) I'm saying, man. My, my trust is overflowing for cream finance. I want to give money, even though I've just read this. According to Chainalysis, North Korea had its biggest year yet for cryptocurrency th- theft, at least $840 million so far in 2022. And we're just at September. The data goes to show that shoring up DeFi protocols defenses against hackers isn't just a matter of building trust with users, so the DeFi can continue to grow. You can't build more trust with me than so that's the uh, part of the word from chainalysis. It's also a matter of international security, given that cryptocurrency stolen by North, Amer- North Korean hacking groups is used to support the country's development of weapons of mass destruction. That's what chainalysis says. They pointed to a 2019 United Nations document to back up that argument. The FBI's alert offers advice to investors that starts with generic warnings before conducting due diligence before investing, and then adds the following. Research DeFi platforms, protocols, and smart contracts before investing and beware of the specific risks involved in DeFi investments. Ensure the DeFi investment platform has conducted one or more code audits performed by independent auditors, that involves a thorough review and analysis of the platform's underlying code, you know, to identify vulnerabilities or weaknesses in the code. Be alert to DeFi investment pools with extremely limited time frames to join before midnight tonight and rapid deployment of smart contracts, especially without the recommended code audit. Beware of the potential risk posed by crowdsourced solutions to vulnerabilities and patching. Open-source code repositories allow unfettered access to all individuals, including those with nefarious intentions. Most DeFi platforms are relatively new and have attracted big and small investors. Load websites and apps allow users to create new smart contracts, bits of code that run typically to make transactions happen. User-generated software bugs are now in the mix, which can be exploited by thieves to steal coins or simply cause assets to vanish. Co-founder of a cybersecurity firm says people are putting their faith in crypto algorithms and protocols. Only time will tell if they are right or not. Even the largest established financial institutions struggle with software vulnerabilities, averaging more than 30 serious problems per applications, says this authority. The FBI says cyber gangs appear to be targeting smart contracts, self-executing contracts that have the terms of a transaction ap- agreed upon by a buyer and seller, written directly into lines of code. They run when the conditions in the contract are met and are replicated across a decentralized and distributed blockchain network. Sounds good to me, man. Uh, Distributed and, what was the other one? Oh, distributed and decentralized. Man, what could be wrong with that? It's uh, a smart, 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 smart smart world. And now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> News of the Olympic Movement. <laughs> Produced by Jim Aristotle III. The police chief of Paris, Laurent Nunez, has insisted the Paris 2024 opening ceremony will take place along the River Seine. Discussions on security arrangements are ongoing. There were chaotic scenes at the UEFA, UEFA Champions League at the Stade de France in May. That sparked mounting security concerns about the Paris 2024 opening ceremony. Given organizers ambitious plans for the ceremony to feature athletes traveling in boats along three and a half miles of the Seine, July 26, 2024, watched by 600,000 people, is all. Speaking to Le Parisien, Nunez affirmed the French capital is capable of executing the spectacular plans. This ceremony will take place, he said. It is recorded and nothing suggests it is impossible." He acknowledged there are security challenges, safeguarding against a potential terrorist threat and managing the crowd, but he says work is underway. We're in the process of achieving this. The final securing process will be stopped during the autumn. by which I guess he means this autumn. These areas will be secured in terms of terrorist risk the fight against delinquency, but also crowd management. 600,000 people attending the opening ceremony. Nunes has been pol- Prefect of Police of Paris since July. France authorities have been heavily criticized for their handling of the Champions League final, including indiscriminate use of pepper spray on fans, and making widely dismissed claims that fans with 40,000 fake tickets were responsible for it, the chief later admitted was a failure. That is, the chief was replaced by Nunez. Strangely enough, I believe him. News of of the Olympic movement, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast, and speaking of crowds...
2: Live now in the 67th hour of the viewing of the Queen's Coffin, or for those of you watching in the United States, the Queen's Casket. The line now stretching so far through London from Westminster Hall, it has actually reached a neighbourhood where poor people live. All advertising signage along the queue has been switched off for the duration, so emergency telephone services have been mandated to provide the numbers for those suffering from gambling problems. Naturally, street lights along the miles of crowded pavement are being kept on through the night, so selected cities north of London, including Leeds and Norfolk, are on blackouts for the rest of the month. And police are reporting a surge of complaints about queue members being offered charging for their mobile telephones at wildly inflated prices. Live from the queue, I'm Christopher Fleming Thwaite.
1: Did you know, did you know, did you know there was a man Tell a lie, tell a lie, tell a lie while you can the, light, the light again can you feel can you feel can you feel money love is it real is it real?
0: From New Orleans this is Le show And now ladies and gentlemen news of our friendly Adam Clean safe to gave
2: sea to chin to meeter chief safe to
0: safe to meet her. Save to safe to meet her Well, the Swiss are getting down to it, and uh, literally. They got a place for their waste. Switzerland confirmed this week its favored location for a $20 billion underground nuclear waste storage site and worth every... P- is in an area north of Zurich, close to the German border. i put it closer, me. The company behind the project to store the country's nuclear waste for at least the next 200,000 years, according to Reuters, It's called the National Cooperative for the Disposal of Radioactive Waste, NAGRA. I don't know how it spells NAGRA. NAGRA is another thing. It's a brand of uh, very high-quality tape machine used in um, recording motion picture dialogue for years. But now it's the National Cooperative for the Disposal of Radioactive Waste. They uh, proposed Northern Lagern for the site. It's due to become operable... 2050? You got the time? Following a 14-year evaluation process, Nagra, set up by nuclear power plant operators and the government, the Swiss government, not ours, said the operations, sorry, the Opalinus clay found in the area provided the greatest geological barrier, the best rock stability, and a high degree of flexibility for the subterranean repository compared with the two other sites it considered. Geology has spoken said the chief executive of the company. It is the best location with the best safety. The core of the deep store is this gray and inconspicuous stone. Here time practically stands still. Much like if you're watching. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Uh, that's in the end of his quote. A member of the Greek cantonal government and a Green Party member said it was irrelevant that he'd been critical of nuclear power stations because radioactive waste has already been produced. We have the responsibility to store this waste, using the best of our knowledge, with the best evaluations of safety. This means you cannot really be against the storage, he said at the same news conference. NAGRA, no, not the tape machine, will seek a government license for the scheme which is intended to store waste from Switzerland's four nuclear power stations. Going to seek the license at the end of 2024, with Parliament and the Swiss government likely to decide on approval in 2029. It all moves so fast, doesn't it? The matter could also be put to a referendum before construction starts in 2034. Compensation for the affected regions, including in Germany, has yet to be decided. German government spokesperson said there's been good integration between the German and Swiss so far. (laughs) They have a way of doing that. Oh, and expressed hope that it would continue. For the next step, on the German side, a group of experts will look at the plausibility of the Swiss authorities' decision, according to a German Environment Ministry spokesperson. So, well, if the Swiss are doing it, why don't we just use their hole? I mean, their repository. Dateline, Columbia, South Carolina, federal officials have granted a South Carolina factory, just one of three in the country making fuel for nuclear plants, granted them a license to keep operating for 40 more years. Environmental groups had fought the new license for Westinghouse Nuclear in Columbia. You can be Sure, it's Westinghouse Nuclear, or at least ask federal officials to limit it to 20 years because of more than 40 environmental and safety problems at the facility since 1980. These issues, eh, you know, nuclear material leaking through the plant floor, buildup of uranium in an air pollution control device, and groundwater pollution near the factory. That's according to the state newspaper in South Carolina. But U.S. Regulatory Nuclear Regulatory Commission announced this week it approved allowing the plant, which was built more than five decades ago, that's when nuclear plant building was good, to keep making atomic fuel rods through 2062. The agency cited a recent environmental study saying only small to moderate environmental impacts could be expected from the plant over the next 40 years. 40 years? These environmental studies did not leave critics of the plant feeling better About its possible impacts, given the way I read it. And according to a nuclear safety watchdog, Tom Clements, it's no surprise, he says, they've totally ignored public concerns about a 40 year operating license and all the events that have taken place over the last years. It makes it look like this was a done deal. Westinghouse has been ordered to pay a number of small fines over the past 40 years, including. $24,000 after ash in the plant's incinerator exceeded limits for uranium. In 2018, an acid solution burned a small hole in the floor of the plant, allowing uranium to go through and contaminate the soil. The company cleaned up the area. Environmentalists also said Westinghouse has not done enough to make some dangerous material, doesn't enter groundwater around the plant, State officials say extensive testing and review by their scientists and three independent firms left them confident the factory was not an environmental threat. The plant has nearly 1,000 workers, one of three factories, as I said, in the U.S., making the fuel to run nuclear nuclear power plants. The other in Wilmington, North Carolina, Carolina, hey, the Carolinas kind of have a hold on this, and Richland, Washington. You know what? I find novel and interesting and creative and reassuring. Westinghouse promises that safety is its top priority as it continues to make fuel over the next 40 years. I wish one of them, just one company, would come out and say, you know what, we got we got higher priorities than safety. We we like safety, but they line Kelowna, Louisiana, a nuclear power plant west of New Orleans didn't know about that, we will be getting extra inspections. Extra inspections. Because an off-site radiation monitor was miscalibrated for more than a decade. That's from federal regulators via the Associated Press. The error at the Waterford 3 plant in Kelowna, any place that starts with kill, you know, has got has got uh, nerves of steel. That's 25 miles from downtown New Orleans. Spitting distance. Uh, the error had low to moderate safety implications, according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. It meant that off site radiation might be overestimated, and if a steam generator tube had ruptured, could have led to unnecessary evacuations, according to the NRC. The calibration area error began January 1 of 2011, when the monitor was installed. So bad from birth. Energy Intergy, our local energy company in the New Orleans area, corrected the problem February 4, 2022. That would be just 11 years and a month. It's important to note that Intergy both identified and reported the issue to regulators, and the finding had no actual consequences on safety, said the company spokesman. Forgot to add that uh, safety was uh, his highest priority, but I'm sure it is. Several ongoing safety concerns at New Me- Mexico's biggest shipper of nuclear waste to the Waste ins- Isolation Pilot Plant near Carlsbad could impact operations. Federal, Oversi- Hello. Federal Oversight Agency requested the lab update its guidelines and analyze environmental impacts. Los Alamos National Lab is the fourth biggest shipper in the nation of transuranic nuclear waste to the WIPP, which is a storage, a, a temporary storage facility. It is the main producer of the waste in New Mexico. Los Alamos is from its facility in the northern part of the state. Since the uh, WIPP began accepting waste, at the beginning of this near the beginning of this century, Los Alamos sent. 1,500 shipments of transuranic waste to the site. Also received 1,600 shipments from Savannah River, another site in South Carolina, 2,000 from the former Rocky Flats facility near Denver, and 6,000 from Idaho National Laboratory. The waste is mostly clothing, equipment, and other materials irradiated during nuclear research and other activities. Or should I say, other activities sent to WIPP from Department of Energy sites across the USA for disposal by a a burial in a salt deposit 2,000 feet underground. Los Alamos has a history of problems with its shipments to the waste site. In 2014, a drum of waste from Los Alamos ruptured in the underground facility and released radioactive material after being mispackaged ahead of emplacement leading to a three-year shutdown of the primary operations of the storage facility. The um, waste from Los Alamos was accepted at WIPP as soon as it's ready now, and the volume of waste disposed of at the repository was dependent on operations at the lab. A series of safety issues reported by the Defense Nuclear Safety's Facility Safety Board in August could have impacted waste shipments from Los Alamos, which declined to only six during August. Slight decline from the eight received in July. Several inadequacies at the lab's Area G, sorry, Area G, where waste is prepared for shipment and disposal at WIPP, was identified by staff at Los Alamos, according to a letter in August. The board reported 24 problems related to safety at Area G were found during a recent analysis. Could limit operations in Area G as the concerns are addressed. Clean, cheap, safe. Too safe to be carried out at Area G. Our friend the Adam. And now News of the Warm, won't
1: you? Soft, to the war. We can listen.
0: The world quickly undid emissions reductions that were an unintended perk of the COVID pandemic. Leading a multi-organizational UN group to issue a bleak warning, we need to be working seven times harder to meet climate change goals. Seven times? That's a snap. The United in Science 22 report from the UN World Meteorological Organization said that despite a litany of pledges from company, uh, countries promising to have their carbon outputs by 2020, tw- by 2030, in line with the Paris Agreement, little is actually being accomplished. Huh. Climate science is clear: we are heading in the wrong direction, said the WMO. Carbon emissions now exceed pre-pandemic levels, suggesting emissions are getting worse, not better. To compound the issue, reduction in emissions during the pandemic have little impact on the growth of atmospheric CO2, which refers to the amount remaining in the atmosphere after plants in the ocean have absorbed their part. The world's oceans, storing some 90% of the Earth's accumulated heat, may be reaching the extent of what they're capable of, too. Seven times harder. Come on, everybody. As Las Vegas and other southwestern cities look for ways to reduce water use during a historic drought. The removal of grass lawns and other areas of non-functional turf has become recommended by the Southern Nevada Water Authority and written into Nevada state law. Well, that's going to, is that going to help? In a new study in the journal Hydrology, a team of scientists from Arizona State University and University of Nevada, Las Vegas, examined the irrigation water requirements of three common types of urban landscapes, then compared air temp, surface temp, and wind speed around the three sites. The three were Mesic tree and turf grass landscape with water-intensive plants, a xeric landscape consisting primarily of desert plants on drip irrigation, and an intermediate oasis landscape type, kind of a mix of high and low water use plants. The uh, tree and turf grass landscape showed the highest water consumption rate, but the site also had the lowest surface and air temperatures both day and night creating better conditions for outdoor thermal comfort the uh, one in the middle had the best combination of water use and environmental temperatures once again in the middle what do you know it was the warm and now the apologies of the week George Lazenby, the one-time James Bond known for On Her Majesty's Secret Service, apologized this week for remarks made on a stage in Perth, Australia, that were deemed creepy and homophobic. The 83-year-old actor spoke in an interview as part of a national tour of classical music for the music of James Bond. Blazenby was later dismissed from the final leg of the national concert tour. As a result, quote, I'm sorry and sad to hear that my stories in Perth might have offended some people. It was never my intention to make hurtful or homophobic comments, and I'm truly sorry if any stories that I've shared many times were taken that way. He wrote in a tweet, I only ever wish to share some stories and hopefully entertain some people. I personally have friends within my close circle who are gay and I would never wish to offend anyone. Having been surrounded by strong women all my life, I've always admired and respected women and their wishes. It's unclear the exact comments Lazenby made. Several audience members callers into a radio show after the performance blasted his stories in offensive and hardly pertinent to the James Bond films. We'll never know. A pastor in Forest Lake, Minnesota, is apologizing to the community for seeking clemency for a former public school teacher convicted of sexually abusing two teenage boys. The apology from Father Daniel Bowden came just after a local TV station asked about a letter he submitted to a local judge. In that letter, Bowden sought leniency for James Edward Carter, being sentenced on two counts of criminal sexual conduct, including two of his former students at a middle school, a jury convicted Carter in June. He'd previously volunteered and taught confirmation classes. At St. Peter, where Bowden is the lead pastor. We've only received letters of praise. And gratitude for the work Mr. Carter had done, therefore I ask clemency. Three hours after the TV station contacted the Archdiocese to ask if it was aware the, of the letter, the exposed person responded with a link to Bowden's apology on the church's website. I am deeply sorry and take full responsibility for the pain that letter caused those who were abused by James Carter, their loved ones, the faithful in our community. It was wrong of me to send the letter, and I deeply regret doing so said the pastor. Please know that today I again wrote to the judge and retracted my earlier letter in its entirety. Unquote. He added that public safety is his top right... No, he didn't. A victim of child sexual abuse at a priest training school has said missionaries begged for forgiveness at a meeting. Mark Murray was one of several abuse survivors who met the Kamboni missionaries in London this week. He endured repeated abuse by a priest while at St. Peter Claver College in West Yorkshire. The Camboni Survivors Group said it was deeply moved by the meeting. The group was invited to meet the Archbishop of Westminster and other senior clerics, including members of the Camboni Missionaries. It was much more positive I imagined it to be, said Mr. Murray. They acknowledged the abuse, which is something we always wanted. The Order had taken guidance from the Pope by going further than a simple apology. The Royal British Columbia Museum. I'm visiting it very next time. Uh, Apologized Tuesday and admitted for the first time that one of its artifacts is not, in fact, a centuries-old indigenous stone monument Had the... uh, curators curators had claimed rather the stone was carved five years ago by a Victoria hobbyist with no ties to local indigenous culture despite the museum's quite uh, grand assertions about the stone's historic significance to the first peoples of Vancouver Island the museum clung to that ancient origin story until this week when staff met with the local carver in the museum's underground loading dock and forklifted the stone into the back of his car so he could finally take it home. As you would think. But wait, there's more. I would like to express my gratitude, said the museum CEO, Alicia Dubois. She's relieved and gifted to see the artwork returned to its rightful owner and I extend sincere apologies for the errors made during this process, she wrote. I assure you as a team, we have learned from this experience and are taking concrete concrete measures to ensure similar errors are not made in the future. We'll make entirely different errors. The National Basketball Association is suspending Robert Sarver, the majority owner of the Phoenix Suns, for one year and fining him $10 million, An investigation determined he engaged in misconduct, including using racial slurs, yelling at employees, and treating female employees unfairly. Adam Silver, the head of the NBA, said it was uh, regrettable stuff. Sarver said in a statement he accepted the consequences of the NBA's decision. I would like to apologize, he says, for my words and actions that offended our employees I take full responsibility for what I have done. I'm sorry for causing this pain, and these errors in judgment are not consistent with my personal philosophy or my values. I was borrowing somebody else's values. A representative for conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, Infowars Empire, acknowledged on the witness stand this week that the show and website spread falsehoods about the Sandy Hook school shooting. There were false statements made, said Brittany Paz, the civil trial involving Jones trying to determine his fine. She also apologized. And the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety is apologizing on behalf of law enforcement for the botched response to the Rob Elementary School shooting in Uvalde. Moments after his apology came an unexpected promise. He said Uvalde would become the safest city in Texas in two months after his agency gets to work on the whole thing. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. It is, now and forever, a copyrighted feature of this very
3: program. Inside Westminster Hall, where the seemingly endless queue of those seeking to pay their respects continues to file past the Queen's Coffin with only a couple of brief interruptions during the night for what a palace spokesperson described as opportunities to refresh the catafalque. Some witnesses to the return of the coffin described the body language of the attending troops as if they were carrying something lighter than before, but the palace has waved away any suspicion about the coffin or its contents. Given the after-effects of the Recent heatwave combined with the record crowds passing through, the hall has struggled to maintain its normal chill. But the vast majority of the well-wishers continue to wish well as they pass through the process. I'm Humphrey Jones at Westminster Hall. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I wanna tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make a mine. Oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of Le Show. Back next week, same time on these r- same radio stations. I don't think they're changing. And on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it would be just like the queue continuing to form for the rest of the year, if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already thank you very much, uh-huh? The tip of Le Show Chapeau to the San Diego Desk, to Pam Halstead. And to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music you hear here, all at harryshare.com. Much more there to see and read and hear and ignore. And I'm on Twitter, speaking of ignoring, at the harrysherr.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions that originates through the facilities of WWNO, New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long. From the Crescent City.